Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 184. Warning, Derek Halpern's on the show. Get ready to be blown away. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host. His dream is to start a conference called FlynnCon. I'll go Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here, and thank you for joining me in session 184 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. And exactly 100 episodes ago, in episode 84, we had the same guest on the show. Uh, Coincidentally, this wasn't done on purpose, but it's kind of cool because Derek was on the show back then to talk about these three secrets of successful selling and how to turn browsers into buyers with Derek Halpern. And something really cool came out of that episode. He created this thing called the Bonus Sandwich, which I've talked about a few times on the blog and on my email lists. And uh, it's it's done really, really well for people. And he brings he always brings his A-game to these interviews. He always approaches them and, and asks me beforehand, well, what can I do to best serve your audience? And that's what I love about Derek, and that's why he's so successful. And he does it in a way that is very unique. He's actually done a lot to serve me, actually, and help SPI out back in the day, actually even before that podcast episode, he helped me with increasing my conversion rates on different pages on my website as well. So he's definitely a guy you should pay attention to, especially when it comes to the psychology of why people do things. And so that's exactly what we're talking about today. We're gonna be talking about a psychology that happens or you know, psychological strategies to get more people to open your emails, to read your copy and click on the links that you place in those emails. And this of course applies to sales copy and any calls to actions that you have anywhere on your website or on your brand. Uh, so this is gonna be really, really important. So again, we're gonna be talking about how, how do we just get people to take action on whatever it is that we're wanting them to take action on? I mean, we spend so much time and effort and money and and just sweat and stress to work on things to try and get change out of our audience, to try and have them do things. And how do we make sure we get them to do those things? So we're gonna talk about those things with Derek. So here we go. This is Derek Halpern from socialtriggers.com and also uh, Zippy courses, as you'll hear as well. So here we go. What's up, everybody? I'm so happy to welcome back Derek Halpern from socialtriggers.com to the podcast. What's up, Derek? How are you, man? Dude, what's up? Thank you for having me. I'm pumped to be here. I'm so happy you're here because you are a fan favorite here on SPI. And it might seem funny to those of you who don't know, but Derek and I have a great relationship. We're, We're really great friends and we talk on Skype all the time. And when you consider the kind of person that Derek is and his kind of 
aggressive attitude, which is awesome, and then me kind of just laid back. And you wouldn't think that we would become best friends, but we've been uh, we we've gotten to know each other really well. And I fully support everything Derek does, and and I know he supports everything that happens here on SPI as well. So again, I value our friendship, Derek, and I'm so happy that you're here, dude. I'm pumped to be here. I mean, I've always told you that you're one of the people that I truly admire in this space for one main reason. I feel like I work a lot and I produce a lot, but you somehow manage to do a lot more than me. And I don't know how you do that because you have two kids. You know, the kids make you work a lot harder and smarter, actually. So I've, I've gotten very good with fine-tuning my workflows, my strategies for productivity and that sort of stuff. I don't have time to waste time because I, yep. the kids are going to grow up whether or not I pay attention to them or not. So Makes sense. Anyway. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff today, in particular, strategies to help everybody out there listening and watching live on Periscope right now. We're actually doing this on Periscope. There's 350 people watching and listening to us live now, which is cool. But we're going to be talking about how to get more people to open your emails, to read your copy. And I guess we could also include, you know, opening your blog posts and Twitter links and all those sorts of things. Those kind of go around the same lines. Uh, how to re read your copy and click on links. So this is gonna be a great episode. But before we get into all that stuff, Derek, a lot has happened over the past year, year and a half with you. You have some amazing products that have come out recently. You've kind of stepped away from speaking on stage, which you know you were doing a lot before. What, what's been the shift in your mind and wh where are you at now? What, what's, what have you been up to? Here's the bottom line. In 2014, I made a conscious decision to quit speaking, to quit meeting new people, and to quit adding additional distractions in my life because at that point, I realized I knew what I needed to do, right? And at that point, I, need, I knew I needed to create more products. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that if I was speaking at a conference two or three times a month because you need to have that space to focus on the product development. And in 2014, I went from a one-product company to a four-product company. And now we've got four successful products that we sell at Social Triggers. And I wouldn't have been able to pull that off if it wasn't for the focus on product development, right? Yeah. And then in 2015, something else happened. Now that we've got four products and we've got sizable revenues, I knew that if I wanted to take this company to the next level, I knew that I, again, I couldn't speak that much, even though I did, I think, three total speaking engagements this year, but I knew I couldn't speak that much. And what I had to focus on was hiring people because I knew that I wasn't going to be, I was going to hit a plateau in my business unless I hired employees, not like contractors or outsourcers or whatever, but actual employees. And this year alone, Social Triggers, the team at Social Triggers has grown to almost, I think it's about 14 people now. Wow, I didn't even realize it was that big. Yeah, most people don't realize. Most people like look at my site and they're just seeing, you know, the same videos they've always seen. But they don't realize what's going on behind the scenes and all the stuff that we're building for in the future. Right. Like, right. like one of our products is Zippy Courses, and you're—I know you're an affiliate of it. So I'm, yeah, it's great. Know, thank you for that. I've used it; it's fantastic. You know, just just on that, we've had three or four people working on that. We've got the developer, we've got support people, we've pulled in some writers here and there mm -hmm. just to help with the process or whatnot, but. You know, that's just, you know, just working on a software product. And then we've got the other flagship products that we're releasing and we're other products that are still in development that we haven't talked about yet. Right. But that's, that's kind of the focus. So like this year, the focus was building the team. Last year was building the product. Next year, once I build the team, that's probably when I'm going to start doing interviews like these again. Because I actually haven't, 
I think I did one interview with people or like a podcast like this. I think this is probably the second one I've done in probably 15 months. I don't even do them anymore. Well, thank this- you. I feel special. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're, grow- you're growing massively here. What is the big vision down the road? I mean, you obviously wouldn't be doing this and growing your team and coming out with all these products if you didn't have a plan. I know you, Derek. So what is, what is kind of the big thing we can all look forward to here down the road? So there's, there's two things that I've realized in my life. Thing number one is I get really fired up when people don't reach their full potential. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a blog post about this. Uh, 2000, it, was, it was called 2015 Be the Exception. Um, and this was all about people who were complaining about like the economy or complaining about all these bad things going on in their life. And the whole message was that, you know, maybe one out of 17 people make more than $100,000 per year, right? That's the stat. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh man, that stinks. Or you can be like, wait a second, one out of 17 people can do it. Why don't you be that one out of 17? Be the exception, right? right. This is what I realized that really fires me up. And I want to really entice people to be the exception in their life. And I want to create tools, both software products and training products that can help people do just that. And while I've mainly focused on business for the last few years, we're going to be branching out into other aspects of life like one of the things is going to be about social skills, right? Mm -hmm. Like how to actually be a people person and how being a people person can help you build your business, but it can also help you live a happy life. You know what I mean? So like that's one of the examples. We're going to be branching out into that. We're also going to be continuously working and looking for new software products. We've got one software product, Zippy Courses. That's doing super well. And we're looking at pursuing other software projects. So I guess what people should really expect from me is more of the same but just in different verticals. Awesome. And what's been the biggest challenge for you in terms of growing? Because I'm doing the same thing. I'm building my team. I'm expanding out beyond my comfort zone even. And I'm curious, what what have been the challenges that you've faced? So maybe I can look ahead. Dude, the biggest problem that I faced, honestly, this year, the biggest problem I faced was dealing with the fact that I run a a company of remote employees. So all my employees work from their home office. Mm -hmm. And the biggest problem has been compliance-related issues that come alongside with having remote employees. And I got sucked down the rabbit hole and worked on something like that for like two months this year. And in hindsight, there were people I could have hired to handle it, but I was kind of like in the thick of it. I didn't know who to hire or what to hire, so I didn't know where to go. Mm -hmm. And that was like the biggest headache for me. Now that I'm out of it, though, you know, it's cured. The problem's gone. But that was probably the biggest misery of 2015 for me. Are you allowed to tell me kind of what that's about? Yeah. Long story short, there's, there's a lot of businesses out there that hire contractors and they get away with hiring contractors. But if you're telling people to work certain times of the day, and you should always talk to a lawyer to see what's legal or not. I'm not of course, a lawyer. Of course. But uh, <laughs> you, if you tell people what times they should work or you dictate how they should work or something along those lines and you having them work 40 hours a week and you're their only client as a contractor, that's kind of illegal actually. Is, mm. is what I was told. And again, confirm with your lawyer. But So I wanted to make everyone employees and I didn't want to hire only people in New York. I wanted to be able to hire people based on how good they were, not based on where they lived. Well, it turns out that every single state has different laws that govern what makes an employee, what doesn't make an employee, what 
rights do these employees have? What rights don't they have? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. like all these different state by state things were a huge headache for us right. or for me anyway. And, you know, after two months of struggling, I finally realized that there are companies you can hire to handle this. And we did that. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you for being honest with that. I appreciate that. Everybody watching on Periscope appreciates that too. So anyway, let's shift over to stuff that people can take home with them. Not that yep. what you've already said isn't important, but this is this is huge because we spend a lot of time writing blog posts, writing emails, and trying to get people to take action on our stuff. I mean, we wouldn't do what we do unless we wanted people to actually read and take action and all that, all that sort of stuff. But most people aren't so good at actually getting the output from the input that they put in. How do we get our people, our audience, and people to actually pay attention to us and also take action on our stuff? Yes. Yeah, so now, as I said, there's a technique that we're going to be talking about today called the pod technique. Before I share that pod technique, which helps people open emails, click links, buy stuff, before we talk about that, one of the most important things you have to understand is something that people might roll their eyes at when I say it. And the reason why I say this is because this is like the unsexy part about marketing. But you really need to know who your ideal customer is. And I know this is, this is something that people have said before. Mm-hmm. So it's not new information, but it's something that I know people ignore. And here's why they ignore it, right? So I always say, if you want to know who your ideal customer is and and what do people do? They like sit down, they take out a piece of paper and they start imagining who their ideal customer is. Their avatar, right? Which is their avatar, yes. Now, that's that's a good exercise. If you're doing that, you're doing more than what most people do. However... I never liked to imagine who my ideal customer was. I always like to talk to real people. And instead of imagining who they are, I would rather do 20 one-on-one interviews with people who I think might fit the bill, but I want to dig a little bit deeper to understand their, you know, what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. So the first step is to know your ideal customer. And the second step after that is to know that you have an ideal customer, but there is no such thing as one ideal customer. Instead, there are several ideal customers with an S. And as an example, uh, let's use uh, use Zippy Courses as an example. Zippy Courses is a software product that helps people create and sell online courses, right? Mm -hmm. One ideal customer for Zippy courses would be people who want to start an online business, right? So they want to start selling online courses. Zippy course can help them start an online business by selling online courses. That's one customer. Another customer might be people who want to turn their service into a product so they can free up their time to spend building their business as opposed to working with people Mm one-on-one. That's a different type of ideal customer. Someone who hasn't even started making money yet needs to be talked to differently than someone who already makes money selling services online. Right. Right? Makes sense. So before you write one word of email copy, before you write one email, before you do any of that stuff, you really need to go down the list of who your ideal customers are and then make a habit of talking to five or six of each type of customer to really understand what, what's going on in their life. Now, 
again, let's get a little bit more specific. When you're talking to these people and you're trying to understand who your ideal customer is, what are you looking for, right? That's the big question. When you talk to these people, what's what should you look out for? Well, first of all, how are you talking to them? Or uh, how are you finding them? And are you just kind of Skyping them, phone call, coffee? Yeah. So you can find them in a multitude of ways. You can look for them on like, you can look in, in blog comment sections. You could look in Facebook groups. You could look in your blog comment section. You could ask people to reply to emails that you send out if you have an email list already. If you don't have an email list already, you can go, I would go to places like, like amazon.com go look at the book reviews of popular books in your industry and go read what people are saying about that book. Like what's really great about the book, what's not so great about the book and look for specific things that I'm going to show in just a second. Mm-hmm. But you can look at that way. But then what you also want to do is try to get people on the phone, on the phone or Skype one-on-one and talk to them for 45 minutes. And this is something that people don't do, but like we're doing research for a new product that we haven't even announced yet. And right now, I think we've done 17 one-on-one interviews with potential prospects, 17 of them, to try and understand who they are. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, how do you do it? If you don't have an email list yet, Facebook groups, blog comment sections, uh, you can reach out to people on Twitter, reach out to people one-on-one via email. You could go to some place like Quora.com and see who's asking questions about what you plan on creating and reach out to those people one-on-one. You could do that sort of stuff. Awesome. That's how you find them. Thank now, you. when you find them, what do you want to find out from them? Now, this is where the pod technique comes into play is once you know who your potential ideal customers are and you're talking to them, you want to find three things. Thing number one is the problem that this person has in their life right now that they want solved. And I always say you want to start with the problem because if people have a problem in their life right now, they're going to want to cure that problem. If you don't start with the problem, you might fall for the trap where you create something that you think people should want, but they don't want yet because there's no pressing problem in their life Mm -hmm. to solve it. You know what I mean? That's a lot of businesses. (laughs) That's so many businesses. Actually, there was an article that I read recently about why startups fail. And it was something like 70% of these startups failed because they created a product that they thought people should want, but they had no reason to buy. And if they only had one or two conversations, they would be quick to realize that maybe that's not the thing they should have created, right? I mean, maybe five conversations, but yeah, if if you have those conversations and look for the problems first in their life, you would easily find out that what you're planning on creating is not going to be a hit. Mm -hmm. I think people get scared though. It's like they don't want to hear that their idea maybe isn't one that is going to work. Look, if you want someone to talk about that sort of thing, I'm not the person for you. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help you get unscared. I can help you sell some stuff, though. Nice, nice. You know what I mean? So it's like if if you're already at this point where you know you want to make a bunch of money and you're ready to listen to someone who's already done it and built a multiple seven-figure business, start with the problem when you're talking to these people. Perfect. Okay, so start with the problem. That's number one thing to find out when you're having these conversations. Yes. That's the P in pod, P-O-D. Yes, okay. that's the P and pot. Now, the third thing, I know I'm skipping number two, but <laughs> we're going from one to three. The third thing you want to find out, which is actually the second thing you find out, but it doesn't spell a nice word when you go <laughs> PDO. So the third thing 
that you want to find out is the desire that person has. So now, once you, again, start with the problem in their life. Now you want to talk to them and find out the desire they have. Like, this is the problem in their life. Now, what would their life look like in an ideal world? That's the desire. Okay, because when you said desire, my initial thinking is it's just the solution to the problem. But you're thinking deeper than that, right? Like kind of four or five levels deeper than just the problem itself. Let me give you an example. Someone who wants to start an online, like problem, I want to start an online business. Desire, I want to sell online courses. No, that's not the desire. That's like a a function of the desire. Mm -hmm. Uh, Desire could be, I want to start an online business. The desire is I want to make $1,000 a month. You want to talk about the end result that people have. Could it go even further? For example, I want I need to make a thousand dollars a month because I have all these car pain, you know, kind of getting into their personal life at that point. Yes, you can get a lot more specific. The more specific you are, you know, the more targeted your audience is going to be, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But you want to end with the best. I guess if you want to talk about this from a point of uh, starting an online course would be considered a feature, making money would be considered a benefit. Gotcha. gotcha. Right. So you want to. Focus on the desire. And that desire isn't to solve the problem. The desire is what happens if that problem doesn't exist? What does their life look like? Mm -hmm. How great is their life? How miserable is their life? I mean, maybe it's more miserable. I don't know. But, (laughs) you know, so you want to start with the problem. And with the the second, third thing you want to get is the, the desire that they have. Then here's where the fun comes into play. Once you know the problem and you know the desire, now you need to catalog the obstacles standing between the problem and the desire. Okay. These obstacles could be all sorts of obstacles. There could be mindset stuff. There could be like, hey, I'm scared to do this. That's one obstacle. Another obstacle might be, I don't have the money to fix this problem. Another obstacle might be time. Yeah, I don't have the time to fix this problem. And you want to go through these lists of obstacles. Now, when you're talking to your ideal customers, you want to find the problem, you want to find a desire, and you want to try to get an exhaustive list of all the different types of obstacles that your potential customer are going to encounter while they're trying to cure their problem and end up in this desire. Mm-hmm. Very simple. It's very simple to think about, and I know that we haven't even got started with how this actually translates into email copy yet, but you have to know this before you write one word of copy. If you look at all the best salespeople, best copywriters, and best people in the world that do this stuff, the one thing that they all have in common is they know the customer better than they know themselves. You can't know the customer better than they know themselves unless you do this. Mm-hmm. If you, you, you have to use the pod technique understand who you're talking to got it now do you want me to elaborate on this or do you want to go to the next step on how this translates to copy what do you think well my worry is that people will have these conversations and they might just kind of start listing questions and okay this is my second question this is my third question but i know through experience that that's not the way to do that do you have any I guess you could call them power questions that you could ask somebody to really get to the core of what it is that their obstacles are and their desires are. Yeah, great question. 
Here's the question you should never ask. Never ask people, what do you want to buy? Or how much do you want to pay for this? Never ask those questions. The goal when you're asking questions is to ask open-ended questions that dig into uh, people's inner feelings. Let me give you an example. Now, these calls that you're going to do have the opportunity to be quite revealing for people. So you always want to start the call off by trying to build some rapport. Sure. You want to like make people like you. Now, when you're trying to build this rapport, one of the things you should know, and this comes from uh, uh, the book Click, The Magic of Instant Connections. It was written by Ori Brofman. One of the things that you should know that when you're talking to people is vulnerability begets vulnerability. Yes. So if you want people to get vulnerable, be sure you kick off these calls by telling a revealing story about yourself. This is going to help, like, don't just do it for the sake of, like, manipulating people. Don't do that. The, the goal is to tell a story that you think is going to be either inspirational or something along the lines. Basically, a personal story about yourself that is going to make people feel at ease with opening up to you. Sure. The other thing you want to do when you're building rapport is assure them that you won't quote them or reveal their identity in any of this stuff. Right. However, you should also let them know that you're doing this to do some product research, tell them what you're doing, how you're using it, et cetera. But be sure you can reassert their, their ability to remain anonymous. That way people could feel, again, at ease with sharing some stuff with you. I love that. I love that. Usually when I get on an interview with somebody who I haven't really talked to before, I do some things. For example, I just say, hey, you know what? Like, let's just pretend we're at a coffee shop and we're just, you know, I'm getting to know you. You're getting to know me. If you have any questions for me, please let me know. This isn't recorded live. I'm not sharing this with anybody right now. And only with your permission will this be posted out live. You know, just trying to make people feel really comfortable. Sometimes I've gotten to the point where, you know, I could tell somebody's a little bit hesitant to open up a little bit. And, I, and then yeah. I'll, you know, like you said, I kind of make fun of myself a little bit too. And I can, I, um, talk about certain moments when I was on stage and kind of like wanted to just run off and thought people would throw tomatoes at me, you know, just to kind of show people that, you know, I, you know, I've been nervous too and I got through it and it's okay. And then usually after that people laugh and then, you know, if you can get somebody to laugh, that is a good sign. Yep. Um, that doesn't mean you just want to crack jokes all day, but you know, just paying attention to how a person is responding is, is, is very key so that you can understand kind of where to take them from there and, you know, maybe it's not the right time to ask those deep questions yet. You'll get into that if you can. I mean, it's it's hard to describe. You kind of have to just put yourself in that situation. And through experience, this will become much easier. Exactly. So you want to start with the rapport part, though, right? After you get after the rapport part, the next thing you want to do is you want to start with when you get into the questions, you want to ask open-ended questions. For example, you know, What's a, what's a problem that you're currently experiencing in your life right now? Mm -hmm. Like something completely general. And if you get more specific, like what's a problem that you're currently experiencing with your business right now? Kind of like you asked me. is A nice general question to see what people are going to list off. And that's when you want to kind of listen to what they're saying. If you have an idea for a product, you know, that's still, let's say a productivity product, right? You're, you want to sell a productivity product. And you ask an open-ended question like, uh, what's a problem that you're currently facing in your business right now? And they respond with, actually, I feel like I just don't have enough time to do all the things that I want to do. Boom. 
now you got an open to ask productivity questions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm purposely not giving people the exact questions they should ask because I'd rather teach people to understand how to think about asking questions. That way, when you start having these conversations, if you get thrown a curveball, you don't start stuttering your way into a closet. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So you want to start with the report, then you want to then ask open-ended questions that relate specifically to problems. Like what kind of problem are you facing in your business right now? Or, hey, have you ever tried to do something like this? What was your experience? Or have you ever have you ever had any experience with trying to get more productive? What happens? You know what yeah. I mean? You want to kind of ask those open-ended yeah, those, those kind of last portions of those questions are very important. What happened? Well, how come? Why? How did you feel? You know, yes. That. How do you feel? So that's, that's the thing. Is when you ask the open-ended questions, after they respond to you, you want to listen for a few things. You want to listen for what did they do and how did it fail? So this is like the tactical stuff. Though. Actually listen to what they did and why did it fail? Mm-hmm. Or, or at least why do they think it fail, failed? Number two, you want to ask how did that make them feel? Everyone knows that nobody buys on logic. They buy on emotion and justify their emotions with logic later, right? So you want to make sure you ask people how they feel about the fact that they failed because you want to get into their mind and understand that. Right. Then, this is, like, this is after the fact, but after the interview is over, one of the things you want to do is when you see why they say they failed and how do they feel, you want to actually reality test that stuff and think like, all right, is this really why they failed or is this why they think they failed, but it's really just an excuse? You know what I mean? You want to think that stuff through because, I mean, what's that quote from uh, House where he's like, everybody lies and they don't necessarily think they're lying, but everybody does lie anyway. Mm-hmm. But you want to ask them why they think they failed. How did it make them feel? Those are the things that you want to listen for. And that should give you an accurate uh, description of the problem that people have in their life. Okay, awesome. So how does this apply to what it is that we do? I mean, it's obviously important to know this stuff, but then how do we translate this information into emails, into copy, into clicks and sales? That's why we're here, dude. Well, let's right? get into it. Let's get into it. So once you use the pod technique, the, the problem, the obstacles, the desire. Once you know these three things, you know you now know the exact words people use to describe issues in their life. Now, how does this apply to copy? Well, all the best copywriters will agree that if you want to convince people to open emails, click links, buy things, you have to talk to them using their language. If you go through this pod technique, you're already going to know their language, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're writing copy, you're going to write from the top of your head. You're going to write out your ideas. But then after you write your ideas, you're going to see how you can tweak those ideas or copy to relate to the exact words they use, right? Now, when you translate this to email copy as an example, Let's say you're in the middle of a product launch. You launch this product and you say, hey, I just released this new course, right? That's email number one. Now, if you know that the main reason why your customers are not buying this product is because they feel like they don't have the time, what's email number two? Feel like you don't have the time for this? And just say, like, now you're basically, imagine if you get an email, if you release your product, 
you know the number one reason why people don't buy is because they say they don't have enough time. Now, what if the second email was how to do this in 15 minutes? Now you just basically answered the objection that people have to buying your product. And the best part is if they're feeling like they don't have the time because you did the research and you know they're not having the time and they see an email subject line that says how to do it in 15 minutes, every one of those people are going to open that email. Yeah. Makes sense? So you're going into kind of their objections and yes. just using that as a means of opening an email to kind of just say, hey, you're wrong actually. Here's why. And you can get into my program and stuff. How do you – it, uh, are the objections for them not fulfilling their desire the same as the objections for them not purchasing the product? Are you collecting specific information about why they're not buying versus why they're not uh, meeting their desire? It depends on who you're talking to, right? If you're talking to a prospect that has never been see- that never seen a sales pitch before, you're looking for obstacles. Okay. If you're talking to someone who saw your product launch but didn't buy yet, you're looking for the objections that kept them from buying. Now, is it straight up okay to say if, for example, you do a launch or, you know, people haven't bought yet, you might just ask the question, hey, how come you haven't bought yet? Yeah, of course. That's why you didn't buy survey. I've I've run several of those. Uh, Ryan, do you know Ryan Levesque, author of Ask? He he has this email called the why do you hate me email. And that's the tagline, which is, or that's the the subject line, which is why do you hate me, which everybody who gets that is going to wonder what the heck's going on and open it. And it's essentially the last email or one of the last emails after a funnel sequence that has not worked. Yeah. And it's his way of just asking, well, you know, I've tried my best to serve you. How come, what's, what's the deal here? How can I better serve you? And he usually gets the same similar responses. Well, I didn't buy from you because so on and so forth. Exactly. That's such powerful information to know why people didn't buy. But again, like I was saying earlier, people are afraid to, uh, to know the truth. Yes. And so keep going. But you have to be open to it if you want to get better. If you, want to, if you want to build a real business, you know, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what do you do with this research? We just walk people through how to use the pod technique to get research. Now you want to start looking at these words that they're having and how you can start incorporating they, these exact words into your copy into your email subject lines because the email subject line that gets opened the most is the email subject line that appeals to the specific reader at that specific time in their life. Right, to, to, right? to the emotions that they're going through. Yes. So for example, let me, uh, do you remember when Facebook changed their organic algorithm and then killed organic reach? Right, everybody flipped out, right? Everyone flipped out. I sent an email out, hey, did your organic reach drop? Highest open rate email I ever sent. Hmm. Because everyone was thinking about it, right? Robert Collier says, you want to enter the conversation that is going on in people's minds. We just gave you the groundwork so you can learn that conversation that's going on inside their heads. And now you want to take that and put it into your email subject lines. Mm -hmm. Now, are there ways to boost the email subject line open rate? Of course. Like little tricks and whatever, like have a dot, dot, dot. I don't know if that stuff even works, but. Well, let, there is. So let me kind of give you the, the lowdown of how that works. Ooh, okay. The more obscure and general an email subject line, the higher the open rate usually. So for example, if I send an email with a subject line like, hey, that's going to have a pretty high open <laughs> That's it, it's just, hey. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like I, there's some other marketers that do that. But if I were to do that, and I say, hey, that would have a really high open rate mm-hmm. because it 
it's triggering the, the curiosity of people. Now, you're just using that as an example, right? You're not telling everybody right now that they no, should. No, 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 no. Don't use that subject line. I'm saying okay, <laughs> the good. point is if uh, the more obs- like the more curious you can make your subject line, mm. the more the higher the open rate. Like I sent one last year. I was in the hospital. Yeah. Like we're like, what the heck? I got to open that. Is your heart okay, by the way? Yes. Okay. Oh, Th- this reminds me of when you, fir- when, when you first came onto the scene, you had some posts and you were becoming very well known for this thing called the information gap. Are we talking about the same thing here? Yes. Yes. Can you explain what that is for people who might not remember? Yeah. An information gap is when there's a gap between what people know and what people want to know, they're going to desperately seek to close that gap. So when I use a subject line, like I was in the hospital, what people know is Derek was in the hospital. What people want to know is why was he in the hospital and what happened? The only way they can solve that is by opening the email. Gotcha. Right? So you can use super obscure headlines that pique people's curiosity with an information gap, and it's going to get you a high open rate. That doesn't mean it's going to get you good click-throughs or good sales. When you get when you use a curi- like a, a curiosity trigger in email, you might get higher opens, but you might get lower clicks because you're getting people to open the email that maybe did not want to open the email in the first place. And this is why I always laugh at people that say, hey, I got 50% more email opens, but email opens don't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. What means something is how much money you make, especially if you're selling something. Mm -hmm. So using a curious headline like that might get the most opens, but it might get the least sales. Then you can go super specific on a subject line. Like we'll go with, say, you know, a curious headline like I just told you. The other one, a super specific one might be like last chance to buy Zippy courses. Now, the only people who open that, you're going to get a much lower open rate, but you're going to send that message to people who are putting Zippy courses on hold. And when they see last chance to buy Zippy courses, it's going to make them want to open that email and take advantage of the last chance. Right. You're being very clear what that email is about. And it's for a specific type of person, a person who is interested in Zippy courses and hasn't gotten it yet. Exactly. Now, what does this have to do with the the pod technique and uh, writing email copy? Well, here's the deal. When you're starting a product launch or you're starting to sell something, you should always start with curiosity in the first set of emails. Like email one should be curiosity based. And in that email, that's where you introduce what your what the plan is, like what people are going to learn over the next few days and what's coming at the end of the email sequence. The reason why you do this is you use curiosity to get the maximum number of open rate, like the maximum number of opens, mm-hmm. so you can make sure you get the message of what's to come to the, mo- to the maximum amount of people. And you kind of get more specific as you go along. And then as you go through the launch, you want to get more specific Ooh, so you're okay. only enticing the people who are most interested in buying to open the email. Because they're not going to know everything that they need to know in the beginning, right? So you really need them to open those emails, hence the curious trigger. Exactly. Got it. And now, how does this all apply? Like, well, if you're going through the pod technique, you're going to know who your ideal customer is and what their problems are. You might want your first email subject line to be a very general general problem, like, oh my God, I need more traffic. 
or oh my god or oh my god my pants don't fit you know which is like if you're going to be selling a fitness health and fitness right right so you want to go super general in the beginning and then get more specific as you send more emails so that's kind of the first step. You're going to know your customer better than they know themselves. And you want to know that when you're translating these to emails, especially when you're doing product launches, you want it to be broad to go uh, specific. The next thing you need to know is when you're actually writing the emails, you want to really highlight what we were going to You already brought this up, but we we're going to talk about this now. But you really want to create information gaps. And okay. as I said earlier, an information gap is when, when people... It's, it's, it's the gap between what people know and what people want to know. And how you can create an information gap usually is you want to tell a story that creates this idea of what people know and what people want to know. Mm-hmm. And the only way they can solve that is by clicking the link. Got it. To see some video, for example? To see, to see a video or to see, uh, to read a sales page or to, you know, read the rest of a blog post or something along those lines. So for example, let me like read you some copy that I, that I used for one of my blog posts recently. Okay. Long before Steven Spielberg made ET, his dad told him to work his way up to the director's chair. Spielberg wisely ignored his father's advice. He said, the first film I do, I will be the director. He never worked in the mailroom and never brought anyone coffee. Instead of painstakingly working his way up through the ranks, he made amateur films and heck, he even charged some of his friends to watch them. (laughs) And when the time was right, Steven Spielberg was the director of the first professional film he worked on. I call this strategy cutting the line. And that's just one of the seven secrets of wildly successful entrepreneurs. Want to know the other six? I reveal them all in this new video. Got it. Now I have to watch that video. Now you got to go watch that video to get the other six secrets. Right. And you told us a great story. Everybody can relate to Steven Spielberg and knows E.T. And when you tell a story like that, I mean, immediately, I can't wait to hear the rest of it. Exactly. Right. So when you're writing your email copy, you want to, I guess the first thing is to decide what's the point of this email, right? And there could be different goals of different emails. Some emails could be you want people to buy your product. Some emails could be you want people to click over to the page. Some emails could be you want people to just follow what you told them to do and then look for the next email, like if you're doing a a funnel for a product, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you want to decide what's the goal of this email, and then you want to deliver your content in such a way where you're going to give them content. Like what I just showed you there, I gave content. I, I gave them a strategy goal, cutting the line. Now, if they want to know more, they got to watch the rest of the video. But I gave them a strategy. I gave them a story. I got them excited. And then I segued into what I want them to do, which was watch the video. If you were doing this for a product and you wanted people to go read the sales page, it could be as easy as let's turn instead of as a video. It's like, hey, want to know, you know, this is just one of the seven secrets of wildly successful entrepreneurs. I happen to be selling a product called the seven secrets of wildly successful entrepreneurs. If you want to learn more, you can buy the product right here. Mm-hmm. It could easily be a sales pitch too. You know what I mean? So you want to remember what the main goal of the email is and kind of nail that home. So let me give you another example of just from my own blog funnel. Sure. When I'm selling Zippy courses, email number one 
talks about the opportunity that exists online to sell online courses. And I walk people through all these different examples of people who are making a lot of money selling online courses. Email number two is, here's how to find an idea for your first online course. All right, so now that you want to create a course, email number two is like, after you want to create a course, what's the problem that they have? I want to find an idea for a course. So email number two is how to find an idea for a course. Then I walk them through it. You're addressing one of the objections that people would have. Uh-huh. Like, again, I'm using the pod technique to figure this out. How do I find an idea for a course? What's email number three? Take a guess. Uh, you don't have enough time. Sort of, right? It's more like I, I address it in the email, though. But what I actually Complicated. say is- Complicated. It's like, here's how to outline your first course in just a few minutes. Okay. Which is, again, uh, addressing the time thing, but I'm walking people through how to create their first course, essentially. What's email number four? All right, now that you have an idea, now that you have an outline, now you're to start creating your course and protecting your content, you need to buy Zippy courses to do that. Right, and you've given, up, uh, you've given a ton of value. They're going to want to work with you. Exactly. So this is how using the pod technique can help you engineer sales funnels. It could help you engineer uh, sales pitches. It could help you engineer sales copy. It could help you do all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Once you know who you're talking to, you kind of take people on this path of, you know, hey, I just found out who you are to, hey, here's my money. Right. In terms of getting even more tactical within these emails, at the point at which a click would happen, at that very line of text that people click on, do you have any strategies for increasing that or highlighting that or just copy to use around that click? You know, is, is click here the best way to go or you know, instant access or, I mean, I, I know you pay attention to this stuff, which is why I ask you. Yeah. So I, here's the thing. I always use a very similar thing. Click here to reveal the other six secrets. Mm -hmm. Like I make it, I say click here and I say exactly what's going to be on the other end of the click or click here to watch the video with the full seven secrets. I actually don't really test that particular type of link clicking because even if I jump the clicks up another 5%, I don't think it's really going to impact sales that much. So I rather focus on testing a different hook. So as an example, I rather not micro test the text that my link has, Mm -hmm. but instead I'd rather test if I'm talking about not having enough time versus how to make money. You know, I rather test big ideas as opposed to Things like the text of my link or the color of my link. So would you test, for example, a Steven Spielberg story versus the Jimmy Fallon story and how he... Exactly. Okay. That's something I'd probably be interested in testing before I would test the exact words of my link. Mm. Yeah, that you're probably sense? right. Yep. Um, a lot of people out there, they like to do these micro tests like, oh, I'm going to change the color of my button and maybe I'm going to get another 5% <laughs> options. Yeah. But it's like, you know what? You're an idiot if you're doing that. Well, marketers have trained us to think that way. Like old school marketers, there's these- Idiot marketers. Guides, you know, school. X number of split tests to help you increase your whatever. And it's just one little tweak, you know, and we think that that- <laughs> For everybody out there who's listening, Derek's like rubbing his forehead right now and has his this hands buried. This nuts. I did a video about why split testing is for idiots, which is, it's funny because it's like, I believe in conversion optimization. I just do not believe you should be doing split tests if you're less than $100,000 a year in revenue. There's other things that you could spend your time on that's going to help you generate more money than a split test. Hmm. And 
there's these like, these conversion idiots out there that like to say I'm stupid for saying that, but it's like what's going to build like if you have if you make $100,000, right? And you get 20% increase on a split test. Now you go from making $100,000 to making $120,000. Or if you have 10,000 people on your list, if you get 20,000 people on your list, that can make you go from $100,000 to $500,000. Right. You know what I mean? I rather focus on things that can actually move the needle mm-hmm. as opposed to these micro tests like testing a link click. I rather roll out another sales funnel for a different product. I rather launch into a new vertical like, all right, now I'm doing Facebook ads. Now I'm going to launch to YouTube ads. Now I'm going to launch into doing guest posts. Now I'm going to get a column on a major magazine. You know what I mean? I rather do these big things that can yield big results, not this micro test stuff. Right. Now, when you have enough money where you can hire that out, I don't think that's stupid. I don't think split testing is dumb. I just don't think that if you're currently in this bootstrap mentality, you should focus on the micro. You should focus on the big hits. Right. Tell us how you really feel about that, Derek. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry for going on a No, little. no, it's cool. It's it's sort of the Ramit Sethi approach of split testing because, you know, he's in the personal finance space and everybody's like, you know, save a dollar on a latte here, or, you know, cut out your mochaccinos today and over time, you know, you're going to have X number of dollars in a savings account where he's like, you know, big wins, big wins, big yes. wins. He uses, he uses big wins. That's exactly it. Like you don't want to, you don't want to, ch- the bottom line is you can't make a million dollars by trying to do, you know, these 20 cent gains every day of the week on your split tests, right? Yeah, and some split tests could lead to a lot of money, but I think I ran like 45 split tests before I found a split test that actually moved the needle for me. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's hard to do it. And I'm at a point now where I'll hire it out and have someone else focus on it for me because when you're doing several million dollars a year, a, a split test that leads to 20% or something like that is a lot of money. Right. It's a lot, it, it, it's a lot of revenue. So it's not, it's not dumb to do. I'm just saying that if you're new, you're only working by yourself, you know nothing about split testing, you should focus on something else that can actually move the needle a little bit better for you. I love it. Like researching with your audience, talking to them, yes. and all the stuff we talked about today. Getting the product market fit. Like that's the whole point of the pod technique, right? Is to understand your product and how it fits into the market so you can actually talk about it in a way that makes people care. Right. And I'm sure through this converse, through these conversations, you would actually find a lot of new products that could come out and maybe even pivot or leave that initial product idea that you had. Uh, where do you think all my product ideas come from? <laughs> they literally all come from those conversations. All of them. I love it. So Pod, just to reiterate for everybody out there listening, find out the problems of your audience. Figure out what the obstacles are in the way to reach their desire, D. And yes. uh, you want to have these conversations to be able to understand them. These are long conversations, too. These aren't just like, you know, your top-level survey questions or, um, you know, a, a, an email exchange. It's like, you know, in an ideal world, you'd probably have a coffee with them and gauge their reactions on their face and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. So – that's how you start transferring this into copy. And we kind of walk through the idea of don't forget about the, that when you're writing email copy, especially when you're first starting to do it, you want to start general, especially in a product launch. Mm-hmm. Start general, get specific as the launch is ending. Um, if you're talking about regular content, though, 
you generally want your con- your email subject lines to be very specific if it's just a piece of content so you're only getting the right people to open the email. Like people don't feel duped or something. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of people out there that will just send general email subject lines all the time. And that's a mistake because, yeah, you're going to get a lot more people to open your email, but you're also going to burn them out. You don't want to burn them out. You only want to get the right people to open the emails at the right time, right? Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with sending an email and only getting a 25 or 30% open rate as long as it's the right people opening. Love that. Right? So don't use general emails for just content. You know, you want to use a general email like that if you're about to start a product launch and then get more specific. But don't burn out your readers if you don't have to. And I think this is a great way to close. A lot of great information here, Derek. I'm sure pe- a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. Probably a lot of people are thinking, wow, I've been doing it wrong for so long. And uh, I think a lot of people are also going to understand that they have a lot more work to do in terms of understanding who their audience is. Even if they do one thing after this whole thing, if, if – I know we got really – this is probably one of the more advanced podcasts that I've ever done because this is like internal like mindset stuff that makes you try to prepare the foundation for a good sales sequence or for good copy. And it's not like what other people say like, hey, put scarcity in your headline or all these other m- tactic minutia. This is more about understanding your customer. But if you could do one thing today that could really help you write better email copy, write better sales copy, it's – to try and talk to five people in the next seven days who you think are potential prospects. And I think that's a good challenge to leave this off on. What do you think? I don't know. I agree. Five people, not too far out of reach, but it's, it's going to get people enough uncomfortable to a point where when they do this, they're going to see how amazing it is and hopefully do it a lot more. Yeah, and I would love to see people share. I, I think you post this where they could leave comments. Yep. I would love to see people commit to talking to five people by saying I'm in in the comment section and then do a follow-up in seven days where they say, hey, I talked to three people, here are the questions I asked, and here's everything that happened. Thank you. I love that. That'd be great. So smartpassiveincome.com slash session 184. Let us know you're in the first time you're hearing this and then come back and let us know what you found out. And if you're listening to this in the far distant future, you're probably gonna come back to a lot of amazing things that people have found out So hopefully you'll see that people are taking action and that you can too. So awesome. Derek, thank you so much for for coming in. Again, you can check out Derek at socialtriggers.com and Zippy Courses, smartpassiveincome.com slash Zippy Courses is my affiliate link. And Derek, thank you so much for for all the love and all the advice and wisdom. Hey, thank you for having me. I think people are gonna really like this. So have a great day and good luck. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Derek Halpern again. Always bring in some amazing content to the podcast and uh, it was kind of fun to actually do that one live on Periscope as well. Uh, Thank you to everybody who watched on Periscope. You can also follow me at Pat Flynn on Periscope, at Derek Halpern if you wanna follow Derek as well. And you can also check out Zippy Courses, a course software that I've used myself uh, to help deliver some content to my audience and easily get paid for it. Go to smartpassiveincome.com slash zippy courses. That is my affiliate link. And uh, I also just want to make sure you go and visit socialtriggers.com. Join Derek's list. It's great. He always pays attention to the words that he says. And I think you can learn a lot from just being on his list. I do that for a couple of people. Derek, I'm on his list to learn. And same with Ramit Sethi. Uh, So I want to thank you for that. 
I hope you've been enjoying the free podcast content here. I'm really excited because it's one of my favorite things to do, and I know a lot of you have already taken action from the content that you've listened to on the podcast. And if that's you, congratulations. Just keep going, please. It's one of my favorite things to see. But I also know a lot of you, and a lot of you have been telling me that you've been wanting more. You've been wanting additional information, some accountability, some hand-holding along the way. And so depending on what it is that you're looking for, what I would recommend is actually go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You'll see the courses that I'm offering there that are paid courses, but they're there to help walk you through certain processes. Depending on what problem you have or what issue or what thing you're trying to solve, go there, check it out. You can see if there's a course available for you and where you're at in your business right now, whether you're just getting started and you just want to make sure you have all the right things in place before you actually devote a lot of time and effort into something. There's a course for you there. For those of you looking to get started with a podcast, there's stuff for you there. And there's going to be more courses there in the future. And how do I come up with those ideas for the courses? They come directly from you. So thank you for all telling me how I can help you better. And if you have ideas for more courses that I can create for you, just hit me up on Twitter, at Pat Flynn, let me know, or uh, use my contact page on smartpassiveincome.com. But again, check out and see what's available, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. That will be continually added to over time, so check it out. Thanks so much. I'd also like to give a huge shout out and and a thank you to Edgar, which is sponsoring this episode. Edgar is a tool that I use that helps me manage my social media updates because the the truth is when you post on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn on others, those posts, you know, if they're not seen within the first, you know, 30 minutes, they're gone forever. So all that time is sort of wasted. You have to kind of get lucky sometimes. But Edgar allows you to recycle these posts. And I use this every single day. And this is this is one of those tools that you get when once you use it, you can't imagine life without it, really. And it's amazing how much it has increased my engagement on all these different platforms. It's amazing how much it has increased the amount of traffic coming back to my site as well. And again, it does this in a very automated fashion as well. So I highly recommend you check this out. I want to thank Laura Roder, who created this, who was a previous guest on the, on the podcast as well. If you want to check it out, actually... My listeners get to try Edgar for free, which is awesome. So just go to meetedgar.com slash pat. Again, that's meetedgar, E-D-G-A-R dot com slash pat. You'll get to try it out for free. So check it out. And there you go. Thank you guys so much for checking in today. I really appreciate it. I hope you got a lot of value out of this particular episode. In the next episode, I can't wait to serve you with a new guest, a guest that's been on the show before. This is Nathan Barry over from ConvertKit. And we're gonna talk more about the new email service provider that I've been using and talking a lot about recently and uh, pretty much fallen in love with. So we'll, we'll talk with Nathan. He's very honest and upfront about the creation of this new startup, I guess you could say, and some of the struggles that he's had with it too. But you'll see why I love it so much and more in the next episode. Until then, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Have an amazing week. Cheers. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? 
we all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.